Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the sixth Sunday after Pentecost for the week of July 12th, 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited because I feel like the Twitter question from last week and the subject matter of this week, I think is something that anybody who has dealt with gardening is something that can experience and relate to. And as we're in the Northern Hemisphere, I am currently, a lot of people will be doing a lot of gardening. It relates really well this week with the gospel text. But the Twitter question we had for last week is, where has your lack of patience caused you to lose vision of the future? And it's an interesting question that can be taken a lot of different ways, especially that I'm still a fairly young person on this planet. I look at and try to constantly thinking about the future and moving toward the future because that's what's still coming. I'm still anticipating that. And I got a couple answers this week from people where it's this progress of where you move in life that changes. So I had one from my one of our great listeners, the older I get, the less of a problem it is. And, you know, that's part of it too. But for me, I also try thinking about it from a legacy type of standpoint too, is tr- what type of legacy can I be leaving behind as I'm thinking about that and moving forward and contemplating the future. But it's also a great point was brought up from a former doctor friend of mine referencing, especially in the field that he was in, how quick we are to try to fix things. And sometimes it's through that quickness of trying to fix problems. At times it can lead us to having a lack of patience, thus leading us to a lack of vision, especially in the culture in the Western world in which we're in with the type of medicine that we have we don't want aches and pains. We want to just have solutions. And I wonder, especially as we continue to see the effects of what has gone on in our world over the last six months, how does that change moving forward? Are we willing to be more patient? Because is that something that we're learning the effects of is that if we are patient, things are able to actually move quicker in the long run. Whereas if we try to just forge ahead, at times maybe we're making a more difficult path for us by forging ahead. And it's one of these difficult things that we continue to weigh in life. And I think a lot of times in faith, there's a lot of times where we want to see the faith happen right now. But a lot of times that's not necessarily the way that it is. And that relates extremely well to what we have this week in the gospel. But I'm going to save that one this week. So I'm going to start with jumping right into our first reading, which is in Isaiah chapter 55, verses 10 through 13. This gets related based off of the gospel text that you'll hear in just a few moments here. But how the relation of how the blessings that we have that have been given forth to the earth and how this causes things to move forward. This causes life to happen by rain and snow and these gifts from heaven. And when we receive them, how much the world, and thinking about it in this kind of global perspective, the world rejoices. And it leads us to a peace to be able to hear and feel 
the earth saying this amen and praise be to God with the rejuvenation of life that can come just through simple things of rain and snow. And again, looking at the world as this broader context and being able to understand that we're not the only ones being able to give praise. The alternative first reading is from Genesis chapter 25, verses 19 through 34. So we're continuing here with Abraham and moving into Isaac. Isaac then prays to God because his wife, Rebekah, who we talked about last week getting married to Isaac, has been barren. She then has kind of a harder pregnancy when she does finally get gifted with this. And the Lord tells her, coming from verse 23, two nations are in your womb and the two peoples born of you shall be divided. The one shall be stronger than the other and the elder shall serve the younger. So this huge kind of revelation type of text, this is where we get Jacob and Esau where Esau is born first, is kind of more of this manly man, skillful hunter, very hairy, where Jacob is grabbing the heel of Esau. And Jacob's a little bit more reserved, you could put it that way, a little more quiet, works with his mother. Jacob really envies his brother, but Rebecca really loves Jacob. And so the story that we get here right at the end of this is that one of these days, Jacob is cooking. Esau comes in. He's super hungry. He's famished. Jacob asks for the birthright, which is a major thing at this point in Scripture. The birthright is given to the firstborn son and would get like two portions compared to all the other children would get one portion. So it's kind of a big deal. Esau gives up the birthright so that he can have this bowl of soup. So this is the beginning of what we have with Jacob and Esau this week. The psalm this week is Psalm 65, optionally verses 1 through 8, and then also 9 through 13. This is, again, how... When we are recognizing and seeing God work in the world, we are overwhelmed with it. And then we are able to see how God continues to make sure that is the world is provided for. That we're seeing this abundance being given out. And again, we'll see a little bit why here coming in the gospel text, but that the waters being replenished and the world being replenished and that God is taking care of this. So again, we would sing and shout, but also it's kind of this reflection on if God is doing this for the world, why wouldn't he be doing that also for us? The second reading is from Romans chapter 8 verses 1 through 11. And this, again, is a very Paul-like text and talking about the struggles of our human flesh versus the spirit dwelling within us and this continued discussion that he's going on and talking about that the spirit of God is what is trying to steer us and trying to move us so that we're not necessarily 
following purely the law that has been laid out, but it's the Spirit of God that is dwelling within us that helps us connect with Christ that is steering us into paths of righteousness and being able to help us be able to understand better of where is God wanting us to be and that it's not our own mortal bodies, it's our own mortal flesh will lead us astray, but it's the Spirit of God that is steering us to move in the right direction and where we need to be. The gospel text for all this is out of Matthew chapter 13 verses 1 through 9 and 18 through 23. This is a very familiar text. This is the parable of the sower and the seed. The omitted readings from 10 to 17 is Jesus explaining why he speaks in parables because in the text, this is one of the first parables that we have in Matthew's gospel that we have, especially in this liturgical cycle. So we have Jesus having a gathering of people around him and he talks about that there's this sower and he scatters the seed and some falls on this well-worn path and the birds eat it up. Other falls on rocky ground where there isn't much soil. It springs up, but there's no depth to the soil. So it just scorches and dies. Others grows up among weeds or thorns and they get choked out. And others falls in the good soil and it produces some a hundredfold, some sixtyfold, and some thirtyfold. And this is where then Jesus goes through and it's one of the few times we get this explanation of the parable coming here where he's talking about some people just being so hard like the hard ground just not being able to receive the joy that comes from this we have some where the world chokes it out based on the aspect of that the things of this world causes us to put aside our faith and chase those things instead of where God is telling us and some that it falls on this hard ground and it's just snatched away. That there's just no way for the soil to be able to receive this at this time. And that the good soil is the one who then bears fruit. And we know from others, bearing fruit gets referenced is talking about us sharing the gospel. So a lot in there, a lot to discuss. But before we jump into how this ties to faith and science, we have to do our shameless plug for. Working Preacher, if you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Brainwaves podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, being able to have multiple years of Working Preacher's podcast on their website, multiple different commentaries, and right now having four different seminary professors discussing these gospel texts each and every week, plus having multiple other spiritual conversations going on over there. Since I'm not an ordained minister, I eat this stuff up. And I would highly recommend, if you haven't checked this stuff out, to check out workingpreacher.org. There's a lot in this text, and there's a lot of ways you can look at this text. You can look at it as, is God the sower and we're the ground? Or are you looking at it that we're the sower scattering the seed and trying to plant that in other people? But I would argue where we are in this text is the soil. And the reason that I think that we are the soil is because when I look at these texts, 
I see people that I've run across. And I also think about it from the aspect of how often when faith is given to somebody, how much they are needing to be surrounded by people of faith. That they need to be surrounded in order so that they can grow. But we also know from this that the different gifts and abilities that we have that are able to utilize these gifts to help people in different ways. There are gifts that I have that I know you don't have and vice versa. And because of those gifts, it helps us come together as this amazing body of God. And instead of maybe looking at it as this big body of God, what if we thought about it as a garden? And what about if we thought about it in the perspective of that we are the soil? We are the ones who are bringing the nutrients to the soil so that plants can grow. So most of us know if you've done any type of gardening, when you are looking at fertilizers, typically there is three numbers that get recognized and they're the big ones for fertilizers to make sure that plants grow. It's getting the nutrients that it needs to be able to grow. Nitrogen, phosphorus, and potassium. But also, there's a lot of other things that plants need. Even just minerals of calcium, magnesium, sulfur, chlorine, copper, magnesium, iron, boron, molydendrum, zinc, carbon, hydrogen, and oxygen, just to name a few. We also know that plants need water. Some need more of it than others, but water is something that is also needed. And to be able to do all this, this doesn't even include the microorganisms, be it bacteria or protozoan or different types of organic matter to kind of help hold in water to create air pockets for the oxygen to be able to get into the soil so that the plant can grow because we're looking at root systems in plants the easier that they can get their roots into the soil the easier they can grow hence why different types of worms are really good to be able to loosen up that soil not only providing fertilizer from what they leave behind but also starting to carve those tunnels for the roots to be able to spread we also know that because of that you're able to have oxygen get into the soil so that it can be absorbed in also allowing pockets for the water to be able to sit so the the roots through osmosis or being able to take water from higher pressure areas and go into a lower pressure area to be able to go into a plant these are all important things but i was thinking about this week is What if we are all different types of nutrients? Because we all have different gifts and different abilities. And when we think about it in the perspective of us being different nutrients, when you are then helping someone in the faith, they don't just need Tyler. They need other people there because they bring different parts of the faith, bring in different nutrients for that plant to grow. I think about back to a Billy Graham reference, and I probably am not going to be able to find this this week, 
but I distinctly remember my mother talking to me about and when I asked her about Billy Graham. And Billy Graham was really important with being this great evangelizer, but one of the biggest things that he also talked about was finding a home church because he was looking at it from the perspective of him scattering seed and in I see it like you go to a Billy Graham conference, you get really filled up, or you go to like a Christian concert, you get really filled up, and it can quickly become like the seed in the rocky soil. You get this fast growth, this fast expansion, but if there's not the depth there, if we haven't as a garden, as soil, provided the soil around and helped maybe move some of the rocks out of the way, being able to take some of the nutrients that were on the rocks and mix it into our soil, making sure that we have the organic matter there, there's no roots to be able to support this plant. There's no way that we then are able to help them grow. If we're not there, it's really quick for that plant to just die out. And it's one of the tricky parts about the church is the church is both an individual thing because our faith is very individual, but it's also a community thing because we can't do faith on our own. Because if we're doing it on our own, we will fall short because we're missing the other parts of the body and being able to work with them to move forward the faith. If we think about the hard ground, it's falling on the path. There's no way for the oxygen to get in. There's no way for that nutrients to get in. The water sits there and it looks and it's not able to soak into the soil, thus not allowing that seed the possibility to really get a drink. It either drowns or it's famished. Because there's no way for that soil to be able to hold that nutrients for that plant to slowly feed it. And there's a lot of nutrients like iron that need water to help bring hydrogen in to lower the pH to be able to slowly absorb that iron and put it into a water-soluble state so that they can grow. It's also on us, the believers, to be able to understand the mix of the soil that we have, to make sure it's not too rich in phosphorus or too rich in nitrogen, because in any of those elements, they can kill a plant at too high of a concentration. We talked about the rocky soil and making sure that we're trying to remove those rocks, trying to make it so it's easier, and trying to provide the room, the depth, the ability for that plant to really spread its roots and grow deep roots. We also have to remember that when we're doing this, that fertile soil can be a place for things that grow up that will have the potential of choking out that plant. So just because the plant has sprouted and started getting good roots does not mean that we stop making sure that they are fed. Because if they are not fed and continue to grow, the way and the possibility of them being choked out is so much greater. It again gets into this idea of thinking about that we need to make sure and keep our eye and our ear and our own heart as our own plant, but also as we're around others, making sure the soil is still having the nutrients that it needs, that it doesn't get too much of one thing and not enough of another. This is a gardening text. 
And the hard thing about gardening that any gardener will tell you is gardening is an act of love and it takes a lot of hard work. If we are going to be able to provide the nutrients and all the things that we need to be able to turn over that soil, making sure there's those microorganisms to the protozoans, to making sure that there's continual nutrients in the soil, that it's not sucking up everything and that there's nothing left there for them to grow, this is a process that we have to keep doing. One, with our own selves, making sure that our roots are getting fed and that our faith is being fed but also realizing that we then can impact others around us. You see, a good farmer will know that they have to rotate crops. Why? Because they need to make sure that they're continually putting that nutrient back in the soil so that it can grow. This is difficult and hard stuff. But if you even want to bring this to a deeper level, when we're talking about the good soil and how it's able to produce this harvest, this great harvest, that we still have to be there to be able to understand when to harvest. And when then, when you're harvesting, is it time to cast seed again and making sure the ground is ready again? I'll attach a link down below about this kind of scary scenario that we're running into at times with modern agriculture and how we're losing a lot of our good soil based on our modern way of doing farming and how it's causing a lot of this good soil to be swept away in the wind and moved all over the place, thus making it harder and more nutrients need to be pumped in to the soil to make it viable to be good soil. Are we being good stewards of our soil, physically here in our own world, but also spiritually? Are we making sure that we're doing a temperature check as we grow in our faith, making sure that we're providing and making sure that the right nutrients are there? God will do some of the work too, but there's also a point as a plant. A plant will change color and start to let the farmer know that things are wrong if there's too much of something or too little of something. But as we are pouring into other people, are we being observant enough to be able to see when are we not giving enough of ourselves or when is it, are we giving too much of ourselves when they need other voices? I think about actually on my dining room table, there are two parlor plants. And it was really frustrating this winter that I had one of these parlor plants doing really, really well. And I was slowly watching this second parlor plant do continually worse and worse and worse. I thought it maybe was that I wasn't giving it enough water. And I quickly realized that it wasn't that. I quickly realized that the soil was bare of the nutrients that it was needing. And the question was, was I going to be quick enough to be able to give that plant the nutrients it needed? And over the last few weeks, I've started to notice a change within that plant as it's slowly coming back. And it's much smaller than the other parlor plant that I had, even though I planted them at the same time. This is a lot like faith. There are times when we get distracted by 
the big and powerful parlor plant that's doing extremely well. But we have to keep an eye on its the one right next to it and making sure that we're continuing to still pour into and making sure that the nutrients is still given to the that's maybe struggling a little bit more. When I look at this, it's just like a person being a good gardener and realizing what the plants are needing so that they can grow to the best of their potential to reach their yield potential. Are we making sure our soil is good enough for our yield potential? And if not, are we then taking an active part in trying to help our soil around us? Sometimes changing the soil might mean that you have to take an action step. Just like a plant starts changing color to let the gardener know that something's wrong, sometimes we have to go out on a limb and maybe it's attending that Bible study. Maybe it's making some extra time to connect with God. Maybe it's sometimes talking to that close friend about that there are some things that you really want to talk about. And sometimes God's going to continue to be in that spot too. And continue to put people around you to continue to stir that soil. But remember that this isn't a one-way street. That you, with having faith, are in the same situation of making sure that you have to continue to make sure that these people around you are being fed the way that they need to be fed. Because as brothers and sisters in Christ, we help hold each other up. We help share the burdens and we share in the laughter too. We cry together and we smile together. We celebrate together and we mourn together. It's part of the faith. So the Twitter question this week is simple yet very complex all at the same time. How well are you checking the soil below you? And how well are you making sure that you're attending to the soils of others around you? This is a great text to be able to see us as this big body of Christ. And that we're all in this together. Are we all making sure that we're getting the different organic matter that we need into the soil to make sure that it's continuing to be able to hold that moisture for that plant to grow? So it's not feast or famine. Are we making sure that we've introduced these different organelles to be able to help loosen the soil so that the plant has room to grow and it doesn't have to work as hard? Are we making sure that this is a spot that can be fruitful? for not only us, but others around us. We all have a role in this. We all have a role in being that ground. And the thing that's really amazing about this, especially when we look at the other texts that we had this week, we look at Isaiah and how much the earth enjoys the watering of the earth and how it's fruitful, but it also has to be prepared for that, which ties very well into the psalm. We have to realize that it's not our own flesh that does this, that it's the Spirit of God working within us that helps prepare our own soil, but also prepares us to be the good soil for others. And we have to be able to recognize the blessings that are around us. Jacob recognizing in this moment how he was still admired his brother and was trying to still love his brother and appreciate the gift of his brother. And this position took a weird advantage, but God still blessed and continued to fulfill the promise that had been laid out to his parents and his grandparents before him. We all have to recognize these blessings around us. And how well can we be soil to others so that they can be soil for us? 
Because remember, at some point, all plants die. And when they die, they become part of the soil, part of the nutrients to others. What is that in our lives? It's our legacy. It's how our legacy is passed on from generation to generation. So how good of soil are you? So we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.